Well, we've been in a series called Commission. This is part seven, I believe. Let's look at uh, Matthew 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, 15. It says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So this is the head of the church telling his disciples, telling us in turn what our commission, what our job is. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and he said some things that will happen as believers uh, do the work that he has given us to do. Luke 24, verse 46, it says, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Verse 47, That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. These are scriptures, verses that we uh, kind of use as a launching pad in this uh, series, so we're just reading over them. 2 Corinthians 5, 5, 17 in the NLT says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. A new life has begun, and that life will be for all eternity. You realize we're going we're gonna to be living before God and in communion with Him for all eternity. When we came into the family, something happened. Didn't, didn't necessarily happen physically. In almost all cases, it doesn't happen physically. You know, some people might have an experience that experienced something physically, but your, you know, uh, outward appearance doesn't change, but inward, everything changes. It doesn't just get made over, you know, there's these shows about making over houses or fixing up cars and reselling them. That's not what happened to you internally when you got born again. Uh, you got recreated. You were recreated. As a new person in Christ, we are made new. The Bible says we're a new creation, new creature, and we have new life, and we will be before Him then alive forever. Forever is a long time. Hallelujah. <laughs> forever. We'll always be alive to Him. I mean, you could walk away from Him, but why would you want to do that? You just, just, just seal it that I'm not that dumb. I will never walk away from the Lord, and that's it. 
You don't have to worry about it then. You don't have to worry about, well, did I do the wrong? If you care about whether you did the wrong thing or not, then you're fine. Just repent and just go on. Amen. Now, you don't just fall away from God accidentally. No, we, we, uh, you can't just walk. You have to walk away from Him, and, and, and we, don't, we don't ever want to do that. And you just seal it. I'm not one of those. I will stand before Him for all my days for eternity. And there you go. Just walk on like that. Verse 18 says, And all of this is a gift from God and brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So God's um, plan on the earth is for His people to share the good news, the gospel, with all those on the earth, to be His ambassadors, to share the message of reconciliation so people can come to Him, Amen. so people can come into the family. That is our commission. We're to share His truth with other people so that they can come into the family and then all of us can grow up in Him. This new life that we started, it's going to go on forever, and we're going to continually grow in Him. In other words, you're not going to reach a place where you know everything in God. You would, you would be Him. I mean, you would be at the same level as Him. That's not going to happen. He's, he's got a head start, <laughs> like He's always been. That We can't comprehend that. We think something, in our experience, everything has a start and stop. But that's not so. With, with him. He has always been. No, your brain just goes, no, it has to have a start. And that's where people get tripped up. We don't know everything, and we don't understand everything, and just because we have an experience in a context and things, you think it ought to be a certain way, well, uh, we should know by now we don't know everything, and that there could be stuff we have no clue about, and that doesn't mean it's not true. Every one of us in this room uses technology in some form that we don't fully understand every day. It may be electronic, it may be, you know, just electricity in your home, maybe the car that you drive, could be any number of things that you don't fully understand, but that doesn't make it cease to work. Just because we don't understand that God always has been does not mean it's not true. We just don't comprehend it. That's okay. And so he's so far beyond us, for eternity we're going to be growing up in him and learning new things. For eternity. That'll blow your mind. That there is, for eternity you will learn something new about him. That he will show us, you know, paraphrasing the greatness of his grace and kindness throughout eternity. So, we are part of our role is to share with people so they can partake of it, and then we're supposed to be growing up in Him, sharing our faith, doing what He told us to do, and that kind of wraps up life. That's, that's what people say, oh, no, there's all this other stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff, and it's all going to be burned up, and it's going to fade away, and we're not going to care about it. If it it's, it's all how does it interact with people, and what does it have to do with people? Because people are going to leave here, be be gone, be around beyond this earth, but all this stuff that you see, 
You know, all this natural stuff, it's going to be burned up, it's going to be gone. So all the motion and the action on the earth, if it's not done uh, for the benefit of the kingdom of God, it's, at the end of the day, it's meaningless. It's about people. Do they know God and do, are they growing in Him? That's families. Well, a relationship with a husband and wife uh, is supposed to be like our relationship with the Lord and the church and supposed to be based on love and supposed to be growing. It's a, it's a pattern, but that's, that's a natural um, relationship, but it's also a spiritual relationship. The relationship with your kids. What are we, what's our ultimate goal with our children? To, to get them in a place where they can look to God and walk out their life. To God, that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. It's not so, uh, you know, they can find whatever they, makes them happy in life. Uh, it's so that they can find the path that God has for them, and that will fulfill them. Everything that we do, work-related, vocation-related, ought to be uh, related to what, or ought to be what He would have us to do. So we are commissioned to be His ambassadors, to be His, um, the, the conduit whereby His message gets out to the world. Now let's look at John 15, 11. John 15, 11 says, this is Jesus, says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now, of course, that means, I mean, it's saying to lay down your life, like literally. But laying down your life doesn't have to be that you're dead after the fact. It means you are giving your life, giving the substance of your life for other people. And this says for his friends. People he likes. Well, look in uh, Matthew 5, verse 43. This is Jesus again. It says, You have heard it that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, that he makes... His son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Jesus said, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So that would include even people that don't like you. Look at Luke 6, 22. It says, blessed are you when men hate you. <laughs> I don't know, most people would say, I'm not blessed when, that, when people hate me. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you. Now, is it, this is Jesus speaking, okay, just, to, just so we know this is not something I made up or something I pulled off the internet. 
This is not somebody's philosophy. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. That your first reaction when you read that? For indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. Look at Matthew 5.10, another, you know, another version of the same, another account of the same happening. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for, they, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 3 verse 10. Then we'll make some comments and then read some more scripture too, but let's read one more scripture here. It says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. <laughs> you guys all okay this morning? So this is the Bible, right? We're reading Scripture. Now we're talking about the Great Commission. We're talking about sharing uh, the, the faith, uh, our faith in the Lord Jesus, the gospel of God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ, with people, that that is what we are commissioned to do, to lay down our lives for people so that we are sharing what God has given us to share, whether they like us or not. And the Bible says they won't always love you for it. So that shouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> and when we read these verses, you know, like, I, don't, I mean, go back to Luke. Can you put up Luke 20, uh, 6, 22? Blessed are you when men hate you. Anybody in here, you can raise your hand and say, I, I, I like it when people hate me. How about when they exclude you? Oh, I, you know, I, that, that is up my alley. You know, I'm just one of those people, when people exclude me, I like, now some people actually may be like, I want some time by myself. <laughs> it's okay. But we're not talking about that. It's fine you get time by yourself. It's another thing to be excluded. Where you have to be, you know, where you need to go and you need to do stuff and people are trying to exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil, talk bad about you? Notice it says, for the Son of Man's sake, not just for any sake, not just because you were being a jerk, but because you're godly. And Jesus said, you're blessed. 
And the next verse, verse 23, said, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Rejoice. Why? Because people are persecuting you? Because people are excluding you? Rejoice? This is Jesus said, Rejoice and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner the fathers did to the prophets. This is different than uh, the way we would tend to think. Jesus is saying, this, when this happens, don't say what's wrong. He didn't say, well, that's, oh, poor you. Oh, my gosh, they didn't like you? They didn't just jump up and down for the good news? He told us that what happened. He said in that day, though, rejoice and be happy because... This is, the what, this is what's happened before, and great is your reward in heaven. Go back to 2 Timothy 3, verse uh, 12. last verse we, we read there before we went back to Luke. It says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. Let's just see a, a show of hands. How many people would say, I desire to live godly in Christ Jesus? I want, I want to serve God. I want to serve Him. I love Him. Well, then it says, we'll suffer persecution. <laughs> How many of you, you know, we say, we, we want to, we, I want to be persecuted. I want to be excluded. I want to be hated. It said you will. It didn't say maybe. He just didn't say, you know, uh, just... You know, if, if you're only certain type of people, he, he said the type of person is the godly person. Well, that ought to be on everybody's list. I mean, if you're a Christian, you want to serve God. If Jesus is truly your Lord, you want to serve Him. And it said, if you're going to live godly, you will suffer persecution. Let's uh, go down to 1 Peter 3, verse 13. Actually, go down to verse to chapter four. So, First Peter. If you ever want to read about <clears throat> persecution and suffering, look at First Peter. Now, I'm going to say some things. Let's read this, and I'm going to say so, uh, uh, a few things about it because there's confusion. Uh, you know, when we're talking about things, you got to qualify some things. People have a um, a wrong idea about suffering. And they'll go in persecution. And we're talking about sharing the gospel. And the Bible said, you are going to, you're going to have some. And the Bible said, you're going to suffer in different places. And so there's, there's two ditches people fall into concerning this. But we need to understand the truth and understand how to walk through some of these things. 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Let's read this and we'll make some more comments. It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. That sounds like what Jesus said. He said, Rejoice when you, you are suffering certain things for Christ's sake, for the, for the Son of Man's sake, he said. 
Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with, with exceeding joy. Verse 14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the Spirit of God, glory and of God rests upon you. On their part He is blasphemed, but on your part He is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. He says, well, you don't need to suffer in these things. He said, verse 16, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. Verse 17, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Verse 19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Now, this, this has a number of things to say about suffering. And if you read 1 Peter, there's a, it, it talks about this throughout. And it says very explicitly, go, go back to verse 16. Actually, go look at verse 13. Can you go back up to verse 13? All right, go back to verse 12. Then we're not going back first, any further. But 12, <laughs> go back to the beginning. Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Don't think it strange. It's not strange. As though some strange thing happened to you, verse 13, but rejoice to the extent you partake of Christ's sufferings. Okay. That when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Verse 16. Can you skip down to verse 16? Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God. If anyone suffers as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but glorify God. Verse 19, skip down to verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good. See, that will upend some people's doctrine. So there's two, there's two ditches. And like Brother Hagin would say continually, it's like the, it seems to be one of the hardest things for people to stay in the middle of the road concerning any Bible subject. They either get in one ditch or the other. Just to go down the middle of the road is, seems to be the most difficult thing. So there's two camps. Either people will say suffering is just the lot of the Christian and life is suffering and every suffering that happens is the will of God. And if you're suffering sickness, it's the will of God. If you're suffering lack, it's the will of God. And it's just your cross to bear and you go through life and that's just... Suffering's part of it, but you have to suffer these things, and you're glorifying God in the suffering. See, that con contradicts a lot of Scripture because Jesus has redeemed us from so many of these things. He redeemed us from sickness and d disease. It doesn't glorify God if we're sick and we can't do the Great Commission. It doesn't, it doesn't I mean, one day he says, get out there and go, go spread the gospel, but then some doctrine not based on the Word of God, the whole of Scripture will say, yeah, but God might put you in the bed so you can't do anything, and then you glorify God in that. That's contradictory. That's illogical. God's not illogical. That's not God. That's the devil. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If it's steal, kill, and destroy, you know where it came from. It's not God. It's that simple. 
On the other ditch, and I would say charismatic, word of faith, people that come out of this, go sometimes over the other ditch saying, there is no suffering. Thank God we're redeemed from everything that Jesus, you know, He's redeemed us from everything, so there's no suffering in life. We just read how many scriptures and we're going to read more. That's not true. Now, you're not supposed to suffer things that Jesus has redeemed us from. No, but there is suffering. You can tell the right kind of suffering by this. Are people being benefited by it? In other words, when you lay your life down for something for somebody else, not talking about something that Jesus already bore, but you are suffering because you are preaching the gospel, you're sharing the gospel, you are doing it so somebody else can be benefited, that will give you a clue, and we have not been redeemed from that type of suffering. It has a lot to do with putting your flesh down, not doing what you want to do, but you doing what God wants you to do. That There is suffering in that. If anybody says there's no suffering in just doing that, then uh, have you ever been on a diet? Have you ever been on an exercise regimen? Have you ever done anything that, that requires you to do something you don't want to do? You know then there is suffering. Is that true or not? Can I get a witness? You, you, you want to do this. You want to eat this, but no, you can't. Well, there's a flesh suffering. You're going to have to exercise. Well, I don't want that's, you know, I, I don't want to do that exercise again. I'm, I'm tired. Well, but you want the results, so you got to do something. Well, there's a suffering there. So just doing, submitting our will under His, there's a suffering. Well, how about you're sharing the good news with somebody and somebody just throws it in your face and talks bad about you and says they hate you and exclude you. Does that bless you externally? Does that, is that like, ooh, that gives me warm fuzzies? Or is that a form of suffering? Why are you doing it? Because, well, you just want that? No, nobody in their right mind wants that. You're doing it because the head of the church commissioned you to share, and you're doing it should be out of love for the other people. Look, I know that you don't see clearly. You're not that you would say this and not that we're airing. We've talked about that. But out of love, you're sharing the truth, even though it would be easier for you just to say, forget you. I'll go hole up in my house and, you know, take care of myself. But you are putting your flesh down, you are determined to share the gospel with people that may revile you, may even persecute you. That is a form of suffering. And Peter is saying, don't be surprised. But you've got a whole lot of Christians in this day and age, we're all probably guilty of it, going, what? People don't love the message all the time? You're not jumping up and down? You mean you don't, you want to exclude me? You think I'm evil? You realize, in this day and age, this is exactly what's happening. Happened before, happened on worse levels. A lot worse. There's, you know, and in other countries right now, happening at much worse levels than, than we experience uh, in the U.S. even now. But stuff has happened but we shouldn't be surprised. And we, but we also, we don't just lay down and go, well, whatever. No, we take our authority 
and we do what God has told us to do, but the Bible does not teach that we've been redeemed from any kind of pressure or persecution. That's just not true. We read a scripture that said, if you live godly, you will suffer persecution. So you could read that, if we don't suffer persecution, what does that mean? We're talking about persecution for the gospel's sake, not persecution because we're just being dumb. We can bring wrath on ourselves because we're just not using wisdom. But then there, you could be as nice and sweet and loving to somebody sharing the gospel and you're doing it in love and you're doing it according to what the Spirit would lead you to do and they still can reject it and throw it in your face because they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God. They don't want God. You say, how can that be? People, and some people say, well, if, if people just knew Him, they would love Him. There are people that will know and hear about Him and still reject Him. They do. They have heard about Him, and they don't want it. So what does that mean? We just don't share the gospel when it's uncomfortable or... When there's a chance, we don't live godly. Because you know what? You don't even have to say anything. You just stand up for what you believe. And it will invite persecution. That's true. You just being not like the crowd will invite persecution. You stick out like a sore thumb... When everybody is bowing their knee to something else that's not godly and you stand up and just say no. And you don't have to, you're not even physically or verbally standing up and pushing it in anybody's face. You're just going to live right. And you don't condone certain things and you won't join in. That makes you stick out. And you know what else that invites? Persecution. Exclusion pushing away. Well, nobody wants to be excluded. People, we want to be accepted. We want people to like us. Is that true? I mean, do you like to be liked or do you like to be hated? I mean, anybody in their right mind wants to be liked. That's, that's human nature. But you can't, you can't comp- we can't compromise what we believe because somebody is going to like us or not like us. You could be the nicest person on the planet, walking in love, but just you don't you refuse to to uh, change your stance, and people say you're evil, you're wicked. Bible told us this would happen. Let's look back early in First Peter. At the beginning of 1 Peter uh, 1, verse 6, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Nobody likes trials. I don't like trials. Anybody want to raise your hand and say, oh, I like them. I love them. You like being pressed? You like being pushed? No, nobody likes them. But the Bible doesn't say we've been redeemed from trials. It says in the middle of it, we'll overcome. In the middle of it, 
we can have victory. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if, you need be, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see Him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Go back to verse 7. It says that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Even though you go through something hard, something pressing, maybe people rejecting that you still honor God. There is a sifting in the world going on right now. I mean, there always is to some degree. But there is a press, a push for Christians to back off what you believe and what the Bible, not what you just believe out of your own accord, but what the Bible teaches. I mentioned this uh, Wednesday, you know, we were in a, a conference recently and um, some of the things that, that uh, the speaker was covering was going through some history about uh, speakers or, or preachers, especially in this area, you know, New England and Upper Northeast and just talking about the pathway of, um, you know, the people that have come before us because what we're experiencing is nothing new. There's people that have gone before us and shared the gospel all over the world in different places, and they've run their race, and we're, we're, we have the baton right now, and we're running our race right now. But he was sharing at one point, he was talking about in, uh, throughout history, but he's talking about, you know, in the, the early centuries, Christians were persecuted not because they believed in the Lord Jesus, but because they would not worship all the other gods. In other words, it wasn't because, because the, the society was polytheistic. There was all kinds of gods. And it wasn't that you worship the one God, but that you said He is the only God. And you will not worship, they would not bow their knee to the other gods. And he talked about it, how, well, people, people thought disasters and natural disasters were because of um, the gods being angry. And so that, how are the gods appeased? They're appeased because people worship them. Well, the Christians wouldn't worship the other gods, so then the Christians got blamed when there was, when there was natural disasters. Does that sound like what's going on? Well, the Christians won't do this. They won't support, they won't put their stamp of approval on certain groups so then certain things happen. It's the Christians' fault because they won't, they won't fit in. They won't just go with the flow. Why can't we just all get along? The Bible didn't tell us to all get along. The Bible told us to go preach the gospel and to worship God. And that alone is divisive in the world. You just saying there is one true God, there is one way, one way to the Father, to God, 
and that is through Jesus Christ. And there is no other way, which means you will, you, you love people, but you won't say, oh, and your way's fine, and your way's fine. See, that right there. And people don't care if you worship God, uh, Jesus. Because there are all kinds of churches that say they're Christian and will worship Jesus, but they'll just embrace everything else. Look at, just look around. The world doesn't have any problem with those churches. They don't. You're Christian? Great. We're this. What the response that they want, what the world wants is, it's all good. It's all okay. That's your way. That's your truth. This is my way. As long as you say that, you're good. Is that not true? That's always been true. What will not be tolerated, ironically, is that you say there is one way to God. There is one God, one true God, and there is one way, and there is one Lord, and I will bow my knee to Him and Him only, and I will not worship other gods, and I will not condone things that He does not condone, Anybody that wants to come to Him, you come to Him through the Lord Jesus Christ. You say that, people will revile you. That is not tolerated. That is persecution. So for you to say, not moving, not flinching, not trying to get in your face, but this is, this is the Word of God, I serve Him and I won't move invites persecution and that is suffering because your flesh wants to say just just give in you can't give in if you believe the bible if you believe god you're going to stand up for his truth you're going to walk through well there's a pressure to conform always has been is now but it's not new this is you know, like Peter said in different places, it's, don't think this is strange. It's not strange. This is expected. So does that, what's that going to do? We're talking about our Great Commission, our Great Commission, and what we're commissioned to do. It reads the same regardless of the time period, regardless of the geographic location, regardless of the culture, we're to worship the Lord. That's why you can go around the world, connect with brothers and sisters in Christ of any color, background, uh, you know, any kind of socioeconomic status, and if they are truly a Christian, you can connect with them. That is the answer to the world's problems. They don't understand it. People are trying to divide people by lines and all kinds of external things. That's not the answer. The answer is the Lord Jesus, and then it bridges any gap. just got an email on Friday from a gentleman in uh, Minnesota. He, there's an Andover Christian church in Andover, Minnesota, which I've known that for a long time because, you know, when I was doing all the research and everything, I saw that. Well, this guy, he, he's, he's organizing a concert in his area, and uh, he uh, sent me an email, sent our church an email saying, and with flyers and saying, hey, we're putting on this concert, and, you know, somebody donating our church to do it, and it's, you know, some uh, people that were associated with well-known names, it's going to be here, and I was like, really? And the, the thing is, the first part, it said, I'm in the Lexington something area, and I'm like, really, there's a church here in Lexington? And I'm going, what? And I read down and see the flyers, and it says, Andover, Minnesota. I'm like, okay, I got this mistakenly. 
I, so I just typed back to him and said, hey, just wanted to let you know in case, you know, I knew about the church but didn't say that. Hey, if, there's a, if, if you're meaning this for someone, I just wanted to know, let you know I got this and uh, hope you have a great concert. And he came back and said, hey, brother, you know, and just talked, to, you know, just said a nice note to me and said, hey, thank, I figured that out, you know, just later. Thanks for letting me know, you know, keep up the work and all this. He doesn't know me. But there was automatically, it's like he's a Christian. You tell, he's not just name and only, he's, a, he's, he's preaching the gospel. It doesn't matter what part of the world. I was in a, um, I, I went on a missions trip in the Philippines back in 2005, you know, when I was in, in Bible school, and we went over there, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the group that we were there with was uh, pioneered, gosh, at that point, the, the man and his wife had been there 26 years, and they were, uh, they had gone there when they were like 26, and so that's been what, 15 years ago, so they've, they've been there for 41 years now, and when I went there, I mean, they, they had gone there just as hippies, it'll tell you that, they were just, you know, had gone to Bible school, and um, He's real. He's tall, and his wife's tall. And if you know anything about the Filipino people, they're not tall, and so they're over there, and they're white as could be. And you know, the Filipinos are more brown, so they stick out completely. They're walking around. I mean, they're head and shoulders and more above most of the people. Man, we went over there. They had a thriving church, the main church in Manila there, and they at that point had 19 other churches, and we were going over there to help. Uh, you know, some crusades on a, in another church getting it planted. And since then, I don't know how many churches they had now, but the, the main church was several thousand. And we would work with these guys. They, they would come with us. You know, the, the people in the church that were going to take us out and we were going to go from house to house in the, the islands and stuff. These people had such a genuine heart for God. I mean, we didn't know them, but we got to know them. And there was a bond. They loved God. They worshiped God. When we, I had the privilege, we, we did some of these crusades, and so they would use people wherever. So they had a band, and so I got to play the piano some in that band, and, uh, you know, and different people that played or sang got to do that. And we just, they, they just, with everything they had, it's like, wow, they, they are worshiping the Lord. Halfway across the world, didn't know them at all, but there's a bond. Why are they doing what they're doing? Because they love the Lord. It doesn't matter where you are on the planet and what the cultural background is, the gospel and knowing the Lord Jesus will bridge any divide. But when people don't want to have anything to do with God, there's automatically a pushback. And our job is to share, and we've been talking about that, and there's different ways. You don't have to get in somebody's face and, and, and throw it. That, no, you've you got to be sensitive and walk in love and be led by the Spirit. But there is also with this, it's not like, oh, great. So we just go do that, and it'll be just like everybody just, oh, you would think everybody would say, wow, awesome, I can know the Lord and I can be... That's not true. Some people are going to not... You never maybe even get to talk to them because they already see you coming or see your life and they are hostile towards you. Now, we need to know our authority and we need to know how, what we're supposed to do. That's why it's so important to be in the right place, doing the right thing with the right people 
to know that you're in the place God has called you to do and to stay strong there. And then any opposition, you can take authority over it from hindering what you're doing, but you cannot completely stop the, the, the persecution, excuse me, and any kind of suffering from coming. You will get the work done, but there will still be a push on you. The, the Apostle Paul is a great example of that. They tried to knock him out so many times, but he just kept going. And if you want to say, well, you don't suffer persecution if you're in the will of God, then, oh, the apostles missed it. Why are we reading the Bible? Because the letters are written by people that were completely clueless then, because they got pushed on. The Apostle Paul wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else, any of the epistles. He got persecuted more than anyone. Did he just miss it left and right? He's just clueless. He doesn't know. He doesn't know you're supposed to just, everybody's supposed to love you. No, if everybody loves you, maybe that's an opposite clue. If you don't ever have any kind, like nobody is ever has anything negative about what you're saying or living, that's not a good thing. That means they can't tell you the difference between you and the world. We ought to be different. Praise the Lord. Let's look at 1 Peter 3, verse 13. 1 Peter 3, verse 13. It says, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Sanctify means to set apart. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile you, your conduct in Christ may be ashamed, for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So this is direction saying, you be ready. You be ready to share, no matter where you're at, no matter what's going on, be ready to share the gospel. And even if they say the wrong things about you, that just because of your good conduct that they would be ashamed, for it's better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So there is a suffering for doing the right thing. There is a suffering for sharing the word. But God will give us strength Again, we're not talking about suffering something that Jesus has redeemed us from. We need to walk that out and be conscious of the fact that there could be pressure on us from the enemy 
and we need to say, you're not going to hinder me from doing what I'm doing for God. I will. In other words, sickness isn't God trying to tell me something. Lack isn't God trying to tell me something. We take authority and push against those things. But when there's stuff pushing on me because I'm sharing the gospel, no, some of that's going to come. And we need to just be strong to overcome through it and to trust God through it and to trust God for his strength in the face of it. Look at a couple more verses. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. The same sufferings of what? The, the enemy is going to try to push against you and try to shut you down. But know that other people are experiencing stuff. So we push in, verse 10 says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, <laughs> see, there, there is sometimes thinking like anything that mentions that, I'm just going to skip right over those verses. <laughs> That's not speaking to me. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. But it doesn't change the fact that it's the Bible. <clears throat> I mean, look at the way this reads here. But may the God of all grace, <clears throat> who called you, or called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. <laughs> we would rather have it inverse. After you have suffered a while. We don't, in other words, God's not saying that you're going to be just lifted out of everything. You, you may be experiencing some stuff. No, that's not abnormal. No, it's the will of God for you to go through. It's the will of God for you to succeed. It's the will of God for you to go over. And God will strengthen you. He'll perfect you. He'll establish you. He'll settle you. Just keep trucking. But we have a commission to do. And just because there's pressure does not mean you're in the wrong place. Does not mean you're doing the wrong thing. Does not mean you need to change something to conform. Amen. Just means we need to be led by God and keep going. And go over. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. <clears throat> this is the Apostle Paul. We, we, we talked about the Apostle Paul. Look at what he said about this. He said, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Now, I don't have time to teach on this whole thing, but the short of this is... You know, some people say the, the, the thorn in the flesh, that's sickness. No, in context and how the thorn in the flesh is used throughout Scripture, the thorn in the flesh is people coming to persecute you and be, you know, people say it like this, pain, somebody's a pain in the neck. You know, other things that people say, this is a thorn in the side. That's how, scripture in Scripture, that's meaning people that are coming at you. This is what's happening to Paul. And he's going to God saying, would you please get rid of these people? And lest I should be, verse 7, lest I should be exalted above measure. Well, 
Satan is trying to take Paul down. It's not God. By the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, of Satan, of Satan. It's not God. It's of Satan. God is not working with Satan. We're all in trouble if that's the case. No. Satan is the, he's the, the killer. He's the destroyer. It says, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning the, this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Does that sound like what Jesus said? Right? You know, rejoice when people persecute you. That, Paul is saying, same thing. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in, in repro reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, I'm strong. In other words, I'm feeling pressure. I feel pushback. But in the world, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to share. I'm not going to compromise. And even though I feel pushed, I am going to trust the Lord to sustain me. And even though I feel weak, the Word says that in the middle of that, I can push through and I can glorify Him and He will strengthen me and He will bring me through, and I'll keep on chugging regardless if there's pressure, regardless if there's pushback. It's not abnormal. It's par for the course. Every Christian, all these apostles, they experienced it, but we glorify God and say, well, here we go. I must be doing something right. I'm getting pushback. Well, I'm not going to get off it. I'm going to push in and do what God has called me to do. I'm going to stay steady. I'm going to stay secure in that. And God's faithful to help me. He's faithful to bring me forward. He's faithful to strengthen me. He's faithful to bring me through because His Word will never fail. His presence is always there to help me over any circumstance. Amen.